Hello, I'm Tavan Allen, and welcome to OK, So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. You know what street jokes are. Two rabbits are at the top of a hill, that sort of thing. Street jokes are great, and every episode we invite our guests to come on and tell us their favorite street joke. Now, before we start, I'd like you to know about a show that I've got coming up. It's one that's very special to me. It's my write em up show. It's being performed Saturday, November the 25th at 7 p.m. at Comedy Bar on Bloor. 945 Bloor Street West. I host a night of comedy where I bring five comics to the stage to tell their jokes. While they're doing it, I have a team of writers that write roast jokes about everything that comedian does, says, whatever. I dismiss the comedian and then I gather those roast jokes that have been written on index cards and I read them to the crowd verbatim, providing anonymity and emotional distance for the writers. It is the funnest show in T.O. and I'm so happy to bring it back. So make sure you go if you're in the Toronto area, to Comedy Bar, Saturday, November the 25th at 7 p.m. That's Write em Up, hosted by me, the host of this show. Now, back to this show. This episode, our guest is comedian, television writer, and author Brent Butt. Now, you know him as a hilarious touring comedian. You've seen him on the CBC and CTV and all over the place performing stand-up comedy. He's the creator of Corner Gas, one of the uh, most hilarious comedy shows that has ever come out of Canada. And he's now the author of the now-national best-selling novel, Huge. You can find a link to that in the show notes, so make sure you pick it up. Uh, he describes it a little bit on the show. I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, it is great. I cannot wait to tear into it myself. So now, without further ado, please welcome Brent Butt. Hey, speaking of sports, you strike me as a guy that, like, I know you're a huge Riders fan. And I was, uh, because the Grey Cup was yesterday, I was, like, walking around the house, and my wife remarked on my hat that I was wearing at the time. And I oh, I got to change it, because Brent's coming on. So, you know, there'll be Grey Cup talk. And so, yeah, neither of our teams were in. Did you still watch it? I did not. I was otherwise engaged. I was uh, unable to uh, sit down and park my carcass down and and watch it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, like the last two seasons, I've been shamefully, uh, you know, woefully incompetent in my following the riders. Right. I'm way, I'm, I feel like I'm out of the loop. Right. You know, uh, like they'll always be my team. There's no getting around it, but I haven't lived in Saskatchewan since the eighties. Now it never leaves you. You're always a writer's fan, but the degree, the degree to which you get swept up in it starts to, I, I find, I hate to say it, but it, it diminishes over time, mm-hmm. but there's still, there's no question. They are my team of choice. There's no team I would rather mm-hmm. have win the gray cup. Correct. Um, but yeah, it's the, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, and I've always been like a big hockey guy. Hockey's been always been number one mm-hmm. for me. And, you know, living in cities with actual NHL markets, it's hard not to get swept up. And it's an 82 game season, the NHL, right? Yes. So by the time you can't say to your wife, oh, I'm going to watch every Canucks game. And every writer's game. <laughs> Enjoy our marriage. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to pick your battles. Hey, have I frozen up here? I'm frozen. Yeah, you're, you're, your video is frozen, but your audio is still coming through. All right. There you go. We'll see if that changes or not. Okay. If I give, if I give the camera a shake with that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yep. I'm getting rid of the video and then starting it again. There we go. Yeah, you're back. What a. You're back. Problem solver. Holy Look Christmas at you. crackers. Should be hiring <laughs> myself out to the geek squad. Yes. <laughs> well, that'll just eat up more of your Saskatchewan writer's time. 
Oh, yeah, just, right. you know. I mean, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. I have been taking to, uh, like, I will spend, you know, as much time. My, my, my wife will fall asleep much earlier than I will. So I have been taking to taping, like, Senator's games. And then, okay, good night, sweetheart. Or just go, hey, you want to watch this? And go, I'll watch 10 minutes of it. And I go, perfect. And then I will, you know, put it on and enjoy and, and try not to scream. Yeah. It's really that's hard the, celebrating when you're just doing this. That's the trick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then the, like, yeah. she's sleeping, but the dog reacts to sudden movement. It's like, what? What's wrong? What's wrong? The thump, thump, thump. <laughs> you got to pent up that joy. That's the key to success in life. Pen up your joy. Yes. <laughs> Don't let it leak out. Don't let any fissures of happiness crack out into the world. Correct. All that all in. That's the key. That's a lesson for any young listeners out there. Mm-hmm. For go- for the love of fudge, don't let any of your joy seep out into the real world. Tuck it in right beside all your anger and rage that you're also yeah. pushing deep, deep down inside. Yeah, it's best if you show no emotion at all. Mm-hmm. If you can look at Spock as being an emotional lunatic, that's the that's the high water mark. For yes. any, of course, uh, I don't buy anything that I'm saying. I'm a, I'm quite an emotional guy at times, you know. I tear up quite a bit. Really? Although I think I have an inner ear infection. Okay, Might yeah, be. that could. But no, I do. I find myself. Uh, I'm quick to tear up. I don't get angry that that often uh-huh although when i do it's a real zero to a hundred kind of situation right right very little build up it doesn't happen often and then it just mount vesuvius vesuvius is <laughs> out of out of me right but uh but i'm quick to get uh moved like you know you well, uh, a, a video with a puppy that gets reunited with his family or something that kind of thing the dodo the dodo on twitter you oh, follow yeah, yeah. that that's oh, the dodos video. Jesus, yeah, you get me to today. You get me tired in the morning. Like I haven't had enough sleep, right? You know, I'm yeah. just like, and I'm like a little stressed out. Like I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't got everything done. Let me just take a three minute break. And then there's a dodo is like, you know, broken puppy brought in for a <laughs> new owner. And now the hugs yeah. and kisses won't stop. It's like, it's like, I like how you try to frame it as though you're just taking a three minute break right. from your intense work schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not just four hours right. on Twitter. Exactly. It I'm starts gonna, with three minutes. I've been too intense right. on my work schedule. I'm going to yes. take a three minute social media it break. It takes three minutes. That's right. And then we're all seeing three. And time. then next oh, thing you know, the dog is asking for, is it six already? We got to go. Yeah. Okay. Right. The sun is down. Right. That happens now. It's like, yeah, you know, the late night walk is late night. Oh, yeah. A lot of the days go whistling by. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I have I found that too, and I think I think I can attribute it to age, maybe because I've oh, yeah. just noticed recently that I too have been like, you know, I'll just watch something. Normally, I would just kind of watch stuff like this, you know, like passively, and then suddenly just <laughs> like that. Um, I went to um, I, I think the listener knows this. I went to a Devo convention in Cleveland with a buddy of mine. Like the band? Like Devo? the band Devo. Like the band Devo. Convention? A convention. A fan convention for well, Devo. Well, oh, a fan convention. Yes. Okay, I was going to say, how many people were in Devo? Right. It well, weren't a convention. Well, not me. Like maybe five you know, guys? It's, okay, so Arcade Fire, you could do a convention. 
right? For sure. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Now you got something. Yeah. Um, no, this is, this is, uh, the band didn't even show up. This is just people who love the band who want to, you know, gather together and nerd out on it. And they had okay. a whole bunch of bands that would come in and do original stuff, but they'd also throw in some Devo covers and everyone loved that. Or people, there were a couple of bands that took particular projects. And did it like Devo has this thing called hardcore Devo, which is some of their early work, which is unlistenable. <laughs> and one band took it on. They made it actually sound really good, but they they opened the whole thing with a um, like a Devo cover band um, called the Devoids, if I'm not mistaken. And they did the entire third album. So that was the one with Whippet on it. And so that was the only time we heard Whippet the entire weekend uh but Holy they hell they had three albums they had oh dude oh no 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 come down the path with me They've, there's at least five in from 78 to 82 and then that's not including the live album and then there's uh like uh what's after that there's another like another five more after that like there's 10 or 12 in their the whole discography oh. of just studio things but there's one song that they play that always gets me now it never used to i would just like oh listen to it now but there's like one triggering line that like as i'm watching this and rocking out and as soon as they hit this one line i could just feel the little tear just like creeping down there's just like <laughs> no one cries at devo what the hell is wrong with me i am broken for the wrong reasons Hey, I didn't. So I'm clearly not, you know, we're, we're not even scratching the surface of my Devo ignorance. Okay. Um, so I'm clearly not, uh, a, a fan to sure. your level. I got nothing that's, against them. That's fine. I just, yes. I didn't know. I, you know, I enjoyed that whip of the song. Indifference is acceptable. But here's my question to you as somebody yeah. who knows the band and folks, did they always wear the, like the flower pot things the little flower pot things head? no they uh was they that would... a short is that a narrow window in the devo oh time frame no 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 so they always wore a uniform of some sort like they always like came the out that you take in. with me Todd. like i'm such a bit i'm such a no 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 oh, no, 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 oh no. brent oh brent you're no, woefully no. Oh. yes I, dearie I'm, me i'm as ignorant of devo as a, a person should be Yes. Exactly. No, yes. that's fair. Devo. That's completely I, fair. Yeah. Yes. So the 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 energy domes that were the red hats, the flower pots that everyone that's what they are energy yes. domes. They call the energy oh, domes. I've, gi I've given yeah. them short shrift. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was just a flower pot. It's for it's empowerment brand. You know. Now what what would happen if one of those, God forbid, one of their energy domes popped off in the concert. Well, would they just collapse in a heap? Yeah, it's it's like kind of removed a battery from something. Yeah, it's like unplugging a guy from the Matrix. Yeah, that's how I envision it. We got one Devo down. We got yes. Down, they <laughs> we, run up with another bucket. Yeah, it's one of the bobs. <laughs> It's one of the mobs. Um, so that the, so that uniform was particular to 1980s Freedom of Choice, and that has Whippet and, and that and everything. And they would pick a different costume for every single album that they would do, and so and they would tour with those albums and costumes and that sort of thing. So what what were what were some of the other? So they did the Energy Domes. Yes, for that was one for, for one album or one album. That was that was 1980. One album. What what other kind of thing would they have? Like would they wear like. Well, the mascot outfit or they had the yellow um, hazmat Angel suits. Wings? They had the oh, yellow the hazmat, hazmat suits, suits. Right. That's a good call. That was their first one. Right. Um, their second one kind of looked like um, kick ass, evil uh, roller derby guys. Like they kind of had like old sh like they, they really right. they really broke the budget. They went, like hey, really let's go to sporting goods. Skinny store. Road Warrior. Guy? Yes, exactly. Right. Like get, the, the guys who did the books for the Road Warrior. Game. Mm hmm. 
Yes. We like we're sitting there, but we're not going to get involved. Things get physical, count us out. Right. But <laughs> we will keep track of all the people you've murdered. Yes. And all the <laughs> yes. revenue we've been able to right. siphon off their corpses. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're, they're like the bookkeepers for the for the Mad Max gang. Yes. <laughs> they they went in, they saw they saw Mad Max one day and they went, "That's awesome." So then they took 80 bucks and they went to a Canadian tire and they said, "This is all we can do." Yeah. Let's do this. In, in lieu of going to a gym, they went to yes. the Canadian tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brain paint some shoulder pads. <laughs> Yes. Oh no, it was all black. It was all black and then they had oh, yeah, like yeah. yeah, and then um like kind of square like um stare at the eclipse sunglasses was part of Because we're all black historically. I don't care what what generation you go through. You look at all films through there's no way of saying, "Listen, I'm a troublesome badass that right. wearing all black." Yes. It's just uh, intrinsic. Yes. Right. Yes. The uh, I'm trying. I'm actually trying to find you. So their their outfit for the stage was different from the actual album cover, which was kind of more of a road warrior, as you describe, very discount road warrior. <laughs> right. right. But what they would do in concert is, is something kind of along these lines. Right. So this oh, is I the see. so like kind of like just a t-shirt, some big goggles, that sort of thing. This, by the way, uh, th- this <laughs> that is seems the part. Like a last minute, like oh my god, we, has anybody thought of a costume for the right. show tonight? Right, right, right. Because it went from this, right, the the very iconic, right. you know, the yellow hazmat, to you know what, we need something that breathes a little better because <laughs> yeah. we're under lights, right? I'm chafing, I got a rash. Uh huh. There's the whole We're bit. Playing the love boat later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Stubing. Um, yeah, they all kind of look like gopher, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea there was this rich tapestry yes. uh, hung on the 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 history of Devo. Oh yeah. Now this is but the, this is this is one of only yeah. a zillion things I know nothing about. Right. There's so the yeah, depth yeah. and breadth of my ignorance is uh it's hard to even yes put a number to it, or well, hard to quantify. Well, okay, so like there, there's you know if you if you and were yet, weirdly the, the the odd there's a bunch of weird little things that I do know trivia, right. I guess. Yeah, are you good at trivia nights? Are you good? At, I'm good not at bad. Yeah. I'm not bad. I, I'm one of those guys that uh, I'll answer a question and then I then there's a moment where I'm like, well, how the hell do I know that? Have <laughs> ever been alarmed at, mm-hmm. at the uh, uh, obscurity of your knowledge? Yes. Like, I remember one time in the early days of the internet, I was on, uh, there used to be these chat rooms you'd go in that would be trivia chat rooms. Right. And there were no prizes or anything. It was just a bunch of people dialed into this uh, mm-hmm. interconnected series of computers. You know, I don't have to yeah. explain the internet to you. Sure, sure. Okay. This was the mid-90s. Okay. And um connected you say. Uh, okay. The idea the idea would be uh somebody would ask a question whoever answers first correctly would then get the right to ask the next question. That's the with the whole it's a way to kill 10 15 minutes if you're waiting like taxi or something at home. So one time I'm playing this game and the question comes up, who did the uh, who did the theme song do I dream of genie? And there wasn't even like an 18th of a second i just like typed in as though you asked me my name i wrote hugo montenegro and buddy k and then it was it was like a chill i was like how why the hell you know i know i, I watched a hell of a lot of sure i dreamed a genie i was quite convinced that barbara eden and i might get wed one day uh-huh did, did you eventually we never did oh. no she she uh, i don't know that she ever even knew i was alive <laughs> 
start reading. Well, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I know I never reached out. It's okay. like, listen, this is oh. on me. Okay. <laughs> I blame my own cowardice <laughs> for never being able to meet or date Barbara Eden. Mm-hmm. I assumed there was part of low self-esteem, I guess. I had low self-esteem when I was 12, 13. Sure. I thought, surely to goodness, she's not going to. Oh, the one today, little fat kid from Northern Saskatchewan. Uh-huh. Come on. Well, the she can do better. The twelve and thirteen year old television crush is always yeah. a good one, right? Darcy, who is yours? It's hard. It, it hits hard that yeah. twelve, thirteen year old TV crush. Yeah, Darcy, what was yours? Uh, Bailey Quarters. Oh, oh good call. Good call. Yeah. Another. Yeah, I would put her in the crush category as well. Yeah, it's very hard to. Uh, to to look away from Daisy Duke and not go. What am I in the middle of now? Oh, puberty. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that. My because Barbara Eden. Well, they they say you have like everybody has sort of a moment of sexual awakening. Yeah. And Barbara Eden was mine. I know Barbara Eden was like uh, watching an episode of I Dream of Jeannie, going, okay, there's something different going on here. The way like uh, I'm looking at her in a different way than I'm looking at, you know. Colonel Nelson, for example. <laughs> it's even even the um, I never found like like the main. I'm I'm with Darcy on like the Bailey Quarters thing. Like I was never like the the front and center. Like like Daisy Duke is probably the one exception out of that because she was just omnipresent yeah, throughout well, that. Right, Uncle but like Jesse's your only other option. Right, right, exactly. And you know, there's there's enough Christmas specials you see that'll kind of take that burn that off of you but the uh the, there was always like you know it was like like, like you say in wkrp lonnie anderson was like front and center front and center right whole time. To be the bombshell right and then it's like the bailey course it was like if you had the choice between ginger and um uh, marianne. Oh, and marianne always marianne no question right i like how mrs howell isn't even in the mix no no well she's spoken for that's i'm not gonna that's right i'm not gonna <laughs> propriety i'm not gonna walk by thurston and go excuse me you know this is this is isolation island rules you know everything's yeah, my fair lack, game my lack of morality really uh, sh- showed itself there. how embarrassing <laughs> Okay, so people are going to listen to this and go, today we learned that Brent Butt wants to take a swing at Mrs. Howell. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the marriage vows mean nothing to him. Yes, and then you'll be canceled. That'll be the that'll be the clip on Twitter, and then, you know, that will bring a tear to everyone's eye, just yeah. like, you know, like a dodo. Do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder like, sometimes, oh, if I got canceled? Yeah. My question is always, if I get canceled, would would anyone notice? Would <laughs> I notice? Would it, how different would there? Okay. Not that I'm the type. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm pretty tame. I'm pretty. Right. I'm not a spicy meatball. <laughs> <laughs> I, but if it happened, I'd be like, I wonder how long it would take me to know. Right. Some, if somebody had to tell me, you know, you've been canceled. What? What? <laughs> Three years ago. Wait, wait, wait. Canceled where? Where was I? Where yeah, exactly I was I that now I'm deplatformed? I? Yes. It's funny you mentioned spicy meatball, okay? Because I had just within the past five years or so just come across like what that commercial actually was. You knew it was from a commercial, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had uh, – it was from 1969, the year I was born. So I knew nothing of this commercial. And always I just – you know, everyone just kind of went on about, oh, it's a spicy meatball. And I went, what the fuck is the or- origin of this? So I typed it in one day and it's a commercial. Darcy, have you seen this? 
No. Okay. It's a commercial where they're filming a commercial. Yes. A commercial. Yes. It's a commercial about filming a commercial for Pepto Bismol. And this guy just keeps getting screwing up takes and he has to re eat this plate of meatballs, right? And uh, everyone is spicy. And so he's just like, burr, 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 like that. Um, and it's like, take 59, click, you know, all the, like, it's the perfect pattern for comedy that I enjoy. Like, if you ever want to see me just spill my guts laughing, that is the thing to do. So, like, put in like the quick edits of people screwing up, like all those things. But, what struck me about it was just that it was so meta for the time. It was just like a perfect commercial of thinking about like a commercial about making a commercial like that pitch. Think of all the other 1969 commercials that are out there where it's just like loud people screaming, buy a new car. Like that's all it was. Yeah. And now they came in with kind of this very, like a very Don Draper moment of it's a commercial about making a commercial. Right. Yeah. And, and just how meta that was. And it was behind the curtain. Yeah. And, but that it was for Pepto-Bismol, right? Sorry, Alka-Seltzer, like the Plot Plot Fizz Fizz. Like that was it. They went from that commercial to Plot Plot Fizz Fizz, the song. Well, the Plot Plot right. Fizz Fizz, I think, came along in the 50s, actually. The did it? And they Jingle redid Rider. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think, it, I think Plot Plot Fizz Fizz predates that's a spicy meatball. Okay. See, this is one of those things I got no business knowing. This is. <laughs> <just in> the, <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, what's your when's your sister's birthday oh i, I don't know i can't help yeah yeah, yeah. i should know <laughs> right i should know something like that It'd be right. more practical the, every time i learn something new i just go well i hope i've got mom's birthday written down because that's getting shoved <laughs> out is like one thing in see i'm such a, a haywire self of self-centered bastard mm-hmm um, the only one of my siblings that I growing up that I would remember, or not my sibling, the only one of my family whose birthday I would remember was my mom's because it was the same month as mine. Right. What a little self-centered bastard. <laughs> I like to say was as though I somehow blossomed out of it. I like the thing. <laughs> I was I was so happy the day that I committed all of the birthdays to memory as a as a little How many boy. siblings? How many I just like- just a one. But I have the parents down as well, so you make sure that you know you never because I forgot. I for, you ever you ever forget your mom's birthday? You ever do that one? No, I don't believe I ever. From the time you know you would be expected to know your mom's birthday, mm-hmm. but there was there was a lot of forgiveness in our family for missing birthdays because okay. it was me. It was Elna, Elmer, Velma, John, Della, Lloyd, me, mom, and dad. That was in the house, right? Jesus. Yeah. So you could be nobody expected anybody to right. remember. <laughs> birthday everyone just knew it was a birthday when they saw a cake being wheeled out it's like oh who who is it this time yeah mom had a good handle on it she knew all the kids birthdays Mm -hmm. not all our names often you get that mixed up you have that classic kind of boy john ah, brand (laughs) but seemed to seem to recall each of us being born which is well that's good good yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's a lot of us it's like you know halfway through dinner who's the new person yeah that's your daughter. Oh. And there always would be like a couple neighborhood kids would be hanging around too. My mom sure. baked bread, fresh bread, like at multiple times throughout the week. Mm-hmm. We we subsisted a lot on bread and buns. You right. Know? And mom was so, her bread was delicious. And there would be like, you'd sit down at the table and partway through, you'd know, well, what the hell? Mm-hmm. 
So one of the neighborhood kids is here too. They just file in, right? Get themselves a piece of hot bread, you know. That uh, that happened to my mom because I grew up in a small town as well. My mom was grocery shopping one day, and she's at the cash, and uh, the 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 girl at the cash is is is, is ringing through the groceries, and she turns to her, "Oh, Mrs. Van Allen, you need vanilla ice cream." She's like, <laughs> "Oh, okay," and she just went and grabbed the ice cream, and then came back. And then as she's ringing it through, she's getting her money. She's like, wait a second. How do you know that I need ice cream? And she's like, oh, I had uh, lunch with with, uh, with your son. And uh, he took the last of the ice cream. So you need ice cream. <laughs> yeah, the joys of everybody being all up in your business. Mm-hmm. It worked out sometimes. And there was like one time we had people visiting. And uh, they they couldn't get over the fact that we just left the door open. It's like, you leave, you leave the door open. It's like, yeah, just the one by the kitchen. And they went, why? It's like, where all the knives are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she went, well, if we don't leave it open, no one will leave a pie. And then when they came back that night, sure enough, there was a pie on the stove because someone had just dropped off a pie. Wow. That's yeah. a dream gig right there. <laughs> Whenever I, like my, my mother was a fantastic baker, but mm-hmm. all, basically all we got as the family mm-hmm. was the bread and buns. And if you came home from school and there were pies or like little, you know, brownies mm-hmm. or tarts, that kind of stuff, you knew it was all going to the church. And oh, the yes. Hands off. You would be murdered if you touched any one of those things. So yeah. pause off. <laughs> yeah. So it was only like at Christmas or something like that. Or on our birthday, she'd make you a cake. Right. But any, but I don't blame her. The amount of bread she had, the amount of time she spent in the kitchen mm-hmm. feeding this gaggle of kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't, even at the time, I was like, yeah, I right. don't really expect her to be whipping up pies uh-huh. on top of everything <laughs> well, else. So my mom is about to turn 80. She's about to turn turn 80 in a, in a, in a, in a few weeks. And um, a happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to her. And uh, there's, there's no way that she will not make it. Um, just, just out of sure spite alone, she will, she will make it to 80. <laughs> well, geez, I wasn't even she, thinking she might not make it. Oh, that's, no, no, no. Put that out there. Yeah. That's well, I've been buttering the stairs all the time, <laughs> but, uh, she, she, I, I called her at one point. She went, Oh, I'm exhausted. I go, well, why, okay. Why today? She's like, well, I made 18 pies for the church. And I went, you made 18 pies. She was like, yes, I made 18 pies. I was like, why? Cause someone brought enough raspberries that. You know, they just brought like huge pails of them. I guess went to Costco, got that. And so I had to make the 18 pies. I went, well, you you did that to yourself, you know. She's like, <laughs> yeah, but you can't complain about it because you just did literally the Lord's work in pie. So <laughs> you're taking your mother to task. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't... we were not, we weren't complaining, didn't go far in my uh, <laughs> family. You know, you depression era parents. Mm hmm. You know, dad went over and kicked Hitler's ass. Right. The whole deal. So, you know, you're growing up. Personally? In the 70s. And you're like, ah, the TV doesn't have very good reception. <laughs> nothing to complain about. So we learned early on, just best to shut up. Right. You That's see, where my repressing these emotions mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. That's where it began. <laughs> yeah. I think. What I find funny is that, you know, you, you, like our parents kind of grew up in a depression era, like our grandparents grew up in the depression era. And now uh, we are in another depression era that has nothing to do with economics. Yeah. It's just everybody's depressed. Yes. You just walk outside and go, ugh. Because we got piped into, we got piped into like 
ceaseless torrent of horrors, right? Yeah. They call it social media, but it's what it is is the ceaseless torrent of horrors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Every horror on earth at your fingertips, nonstop. Enjoy the day. Yeah. And you know, we're not wired up to no. You know, because there's part of you that wants to if you see a horror, you want to maybe help out. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes like, well, it's just a ceaseless torrent of horror. <laughs> and now I must pick and choose then. Right. I'm one person. What yeah. horrors, <laughs> whose suffering do I shelf? Yes. Right? So it creates a tremendous, uh, yeah. and, and also you're questioning everything because the amount of misinformation, mm-hmm. disinformation. Yep. Purposely fed lies by mm-hmm. our leaders. Yep. You know? Yep. So what's a human being to do? But to, Either go mad or become ridiculously ambivalent. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not ready to go mad yet. I'm sure no. it'll happen somewhere down the pipe. But for now, yeah. I'm going to put my feet up and go, hey, I'm not wired to deal with this. Right. But it, there's, but again, like there's only so much sh- sewage you can take, you know, going by yeah. the window, right? You know, yeah, this is my point entirely. Mm-hmm. Too much sewage. <laughs> So count me out. That's, I'm actually like distancing myself. Ooh, a shameless plug. I'm slowly distancing myself from social media mm-hmm. and I'm putting any and all extraneous brain juice that I have into, uh, I started a Substack. Oh, good. Newsletter. Good. And so I do like I do uh, we, uh, twice a week. There's mm-hmm. a comic strip that I do, I do called Heck on Earth where this guy who's uh, he's recently divorced and recently unemployed and now mm-hmm. he's. Uh, cosmically tethered to a demonic entity from an unknown realm. Okay. And so he's having a rough week. He's having a rough go, this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and every Monday and Friday, I put out a cartoon. And uh, I do a midweek video ramble where I just I just turn on the camera, no idea what I'm going to talk about. And it's been tremendously fun, first of all, but also gratifying. And I just find my mood has lifted so much from spending less time on the various socials. Right. So come find me on Substack, everybody. Yeah. That's my name. I was just uh, I was just looking at you. I actually have Heck on Earth. Yeah. I can see the uh, see the images on this. And the midweek video rambler. Yeah. Midweek rambler. The. Do you draw these? Are you an artist as well? Yeah, I used to make a oh. illustrator, cartoonist guy. Yeah. Oh God, I hate you. Okay. <laughs> no, I just, I hate people with talent. Like I just, I spent a week, uh, in Toronto and one of the guys that was at the condo, uh, was doing other shows elsewhere. Um, uh, name of, um, Rory Gardner and he's a musician as well. And so he's, I used to talent. be in a band. Yep. Yep. See talented yeah. people, right? Guitar you, player. Jesus. I played guitar except for when our band played, uh, wipeout because our drummer couldn't do wipeout. So I would sit down and do wipeout. Oh, come on. I just is there is there not one thing you suck at, Brent? Is there just like oh yeah? Get me to do some basic math for you. Okay, watch me struggle. <laughs> like any anything that you know outside of the humanities. Let's put it that right. Way. Okay, anything that doesn't involve writing or drawing or painting or playing music, anything like uh, nail two boards together. Mm. Oh yeah, thank you. Is that you do that? <laughs> thank with you. Hammer. Yes. Yes. We I have a sort of a running joke in my family because our father was this incredible Renaissance guy who he was just sort of an everything guy. He was the toughest SOB ever met in your life. Mm-hmm. He had his pain threshold was through the roof. He used to uh a- after his uh, 
funeral, you know, like the little get what do you call mm-hmm. reception or the, get yeah, reception the funeral. Yeah. Everybody just stood stood around, told stories about guys he used to wrestle, you know, and like <laughs> feats of strength that he would do to entertain <laughs> parties. He was that kind of guy. But then he also wrote poetry, and he was a musician, and he oh. won a step dancing championship, and he. Uh, he was just one of these, and he he built the house we live in. He could, you know, do everything except the electricity. That was, I remember him saying to me, no, uh, you got to hire a pro for that. That right. shit will kill you. Yes. You make one mistake. There's no wiggle room without electricity. Yep. Plumbing, you know, you just get ankle deep. You screw up. Dry <laughs> stuff out. But electricity, that'll kill you. Man. Yeah. So that was the only thing that he jobbed out to somebody. And the rest, yep. like, so he's, so the sort of running gag is that the the boys in the family we we each got a little something from dad like i have one brother like two of my brothers actually were amazing at cars could fix things and you know i'm more the music and drawing go oh, because he used to draw too he was a painter and artist and everything so he just kind of did everything so right we all we as children we all benefited getting a little piece a little taste yeah that's that is something it's funny you mentioned like you know just home repair and anything like that like my wife will go you can't do that and go well not the way you want it done you know (laughs) it will you'll be calling someone afterwards like we would take a swing at it like whenever we had like we had to 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 redo um uh the kitchen and all the flooring uh in in the house um, so it was like one of these moves where we actually had to vacate for a bit. So then when they're doing like kind of the, the finishing work and stuff like that, we got these, you know, burly men walking around, hammering things, doing things, being productive. And I turned to my good lady wife and go, do you ever think of how your life would have been different if you married an actual man? Cause <laughs> yeah. I have no ability in any of this. Right. Yeah. Zero. It's a, uh, and if I ever do anything that's even remotely falls into that window, mm-hmm. I, I am insufferable oh like if i meant like i i one time i replaced the pull cord on the lawnmower right i thought this is surely to god i must be able to i because I, I i for whatever reason i bought every tool there's no tool that you can imagine needing that i don't have i just don't have the capacity to use any of them very well but so i was like well i could certainly i must be able to well let's see how difficult it is youtube video right mm-hmm. guy yep. shows you how to do it well i think i can do that and i did mm-hmm. oh my stars i was marching around the neighborhood like yep. like buford pusser uh-huh. <laughs> I was ready to punch out anybody who looked at me sideways i was feeling so damn manly it's uh you and i are just cut from the, the same day, i just got up and took the leaves out of the uh, the uh, the leaves, leaves into the drain we're mm-hmm. clogging and the water was overflowing I got my ladder. I have a hell of a big ladder. Like mm-hmm. I've got a ladder like I have a job. And <laughs> I unfold this hellacious ladder. It's like yeah. 25 feet. <laughs> and I shimmy up there. I clean it out. Yep. Drains beautifully. Mm-hmm. Insufferable for the oh, rest of the day. Dude. I managed to move leaves out of a hole. If you want to know how talented uh-huh. I am. Yeah. I had to I had to build a platform for the shed. Right, we got a new eight by ten shed that oh, was coming in. So I had to lay like all these stones and make sure they're level because they had like the raised. Like the guy came in and he put in like the kind of kind of flat gravel, and then I had to lay these stones and smash them in and level them up with with um, 
with like that stone dust. And uh, when I got that thing done, boy, oh boy, there wasn't a wine glass on the coffee table left for my swinging dick as I walked into the house. And then, by the way, is it level? Yeah, it is. Fuck no, it is not. It is. <laughs> Still, though, that's pretty yeah. impressive to, to tackle, to have the temerity to tackle something like that. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would walk away. I wouldn't even begin to. Uh... Right. Well... Let's but, like here in my studio garage, I do think like I built a shelf over there uh, that looks, you know, it looks OK. But, you know, if you look close, it's, you know, there's gaps. here. Eh. So anywhere where there's not like there's, there's nothing. It's not like I could do something that we could proudly display in our home. <laughs> right. But if it's out here in the old cave, uh-huh. do, you know. You sort of expect stuff in the garage to not right. line up exactly, to be plumb. Right. I'm I'm assuming the placement of that vase under the Amazing Spider-Man pinball machine is because there's some form of divot that you put in there or something. <laughs> no, I just didn't know where the hell else to put it. Okay. Um, I, I've often thought, it's like a concrete vase or yeah. vase. I was, I was thinking I might put some plants in there. Well, you're gonna have but to move like, that out then. Plastic plants, right? okay? Yeah. Something that can't die. Yes, I have plastic plants in my office mm-hmm. because my office is very 1960s looking, very Dick Van Dyke, right? Writer's room kind of. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the 60s, you're big for having plants in office yeah. places. But I, you know, I'm on the road a lot, and I don't. I forget to water plants, mm-hmm. and so anything that would be up there would be would die. But I found. Like it's a sort of a fern looking. It's very of the era, very 1960s office house plant, a plastic job. Right. And uh, that's in my office. So I'm thinking of doing the same thing. Yeah. There. Yeah. They've got all kinds of like nice arrangements you can get like that. But move it somebody, out from under the. called me out. Uh, somebody was like, this bothered somebody on my Substack. What? Comment on my thing. They were like, I love your uh, game room studio there, except for that stupid vase. You got to move that. Right. And now I'm like, well, now that'll never be moved. No, exactly. Yes. Just tell people it's an urn or something. Yes. My uncle's in that. (laughs) My dead relatives. Heartless bastard. Yeah. That's actually what we have decided we're going to do because a lot of my wife's family is over in Italy and they actually have a crypt there. And None of uh, like our fam like our family just has uh, like plots everywhere like kind of speckled around you know the the right. Leeds and Grenville County and um, I'm like I have no plot I have no thing well I, you know anyone who has watched my career knows I have absolutely no plot but the so we were thinking of like we have the ashes from our cat Jimmy that died and we have our dog Ernie who we're always keeping an eye on because he's every pet you own is just a time bomb of misery (laughs) and then uh, we're thinking what to do with our ashes and we're just going to put ourselves all in one jar and then put it in in, on the shelf in Italy just kind of tucked in with one of the relatives and that's the end of it (laughs) just put her there I like that Ernie is in an urn yes Exactly. We'll call it the Ernie Earn. Ernie Earn. Yeah. <laughs> I picked up on that so quickly. I could be part of the family. He could be. Yes. <laughs> you're could more be than the Van hey, Allen. You're welcome Van into Allen the pot Bell. anytime. We're just <laughs> Van Allen Bell. Yes. Are you uh, are you heir to the asteroid fortune? No, no. <laughs> he is a relative. We did oh, find he? out he is a relative. He's like one of these distant cousins, but he's he's in there. He's in the tree. But uh no. Um I certainly did not get any of his smarts. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? You got, yeah. Somebody's got to be, you got to specialize a little bit. Yes, yes. So, okay, 
here's the here's the segue into this now. Let's take this right turn. Uh, you could specialize in one thing, or you could be great at all things, like this book you wrote, Brent. Ah, huh? yeah. How do you I, like that I for a God, segue? If I'm, not a, if I'm not an author, <laughs> yes. My God, yes. Number one best national bestseller. Yes. Ooh, wrap your head around that. Right. And it's called yeah. the comedian who went nuts. What was it? It's yeah, called that's the work the working title. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the comedian went nuts. <laughs> went nuts. Instead uh, of a bunch of people, it's huge. Yeah. Huge is the, the book name is of called it. Huge. Yes, and it's about uh, three comedians on the road, mm -hmm. two of whom do not have a disturbing capacity for violence. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> the one who does yes. is huge. Huge. Yeah. And it just sort of stems from that. It's a, you know, it's an idea that I had percolating for a long, long time. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but just the, the note, the germ of the idea stems from those moments when you're on the road with somebody yep. that you're just getting to know, you don't really know them and you get a sign, you know, you're going to be, you're going to meet this guy in Winnipeg. He's from Montana and you're going to spend two weeks touring together. All right. And about, you know, four hours into the first drive, you're like, uh, does this guy really think these things that he's saying? Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Clearly unhinged. And the farther it goes, the more you're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of places to hide my body. <laughs> Canadian prairie, isn't it? So it's that I wanted to write a book that sort of captured that dread of being mm -hmm. on the road with somebody that it was becoming increasingly evident they were unhinged and they were the type of person that, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. You know? Right. So, yeah, when I sat down to, I always knew I was going to try at least writing a novel. Mm -hmm. It was, I, I, when I was about 12 or 13, I made a list of, um, shortly after I fell in love with the Barbara Eden, I made a, a list. It was a pivotal year yes. for me, that 12 to 13. <laughs> <a> big year. <laughs> yeah. Big year. Um, <laughs> I made a list of things that I wanted to write in my life, sort of at a professional level. Okay. Because I always told stories. I always liked writing and drawing and, and so novel, of course, was on that list. I've been able to do a lot of the things like stand-up was the first big one mm -hmm. and write for TV, write movies. And um, novel was sort of, the, that's the big, how do you tackle that rhinoceros, right? right? And the, when I started it, it was sort of the, first of all, the you know, it was when the pandemic was along and we were being locked mm -hmm. down and what we could do was being very limited. And so I thought, well, you know, if I don't tackle this now, especially since we're not in production on a TV show. This is the first time, you know, it was the first time in 18 years that I wasn't involved in a daily basis on a, right. the production of a TV show. Right. So I thought I got time. Uh, there's a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. I had to leave the house. If I don't write this novel now, I will never do it. So I sat down. That germ was still percolating. Mm -hmm. And so I started fleshing out that idea. Right. And, and, I didn't know if I would like writing a novel. I didn't know if I'd be able to do it or if I'd even mm -hmm. enjoy it. Turned out I loved it. I yep. loved the process. And, um, you know, after writing scripts for 20 years, which are really quite structured and regimented in a lot of ways, to just have the freedom to just let it buck. You want to write 80,000 words, 90,000 words? You, and you could write. The thing that really jumped out at me is you could write what people were thinking and feeling. Right. So hard to do in a script that you're supposed to visually shoot, you know. Mm -hmm. It's hard to write what somebody's thinking. You you kind of can't really without building in flashbacks or like 
yeah. some weird device. And so being able to do that, right? What people were feeling, what they were mm-hmm. thinking, a little bit of their past, you know, it, it was very liberating. I, I loved it. I loved the process. And then, and then it turned out the response to the actual book itself was mm-hmm. good. I, I snagged a literary agent from the book and then more than one publisher was interested in publishing it. And, and yeah, it ended up, like I said, being, it hit the um, number one national bestseller. That, that is awesome. so awesome. Now, what, look, when you, when you, when you say that you were tackling this, what was, what was the process that you took that was different from joke writing versus script writing that you had, you know, you'd, you'd excelled at before sort of, how was that, how was that jump into like, what was that, what was the creative divide that you need to leap over to be able to, to process the, the mill for the, for the, uh, for the novel? Well, I. You know, I did a bit of research before tackling the novel, like mm-hmm. how do people write novels? So I, I listened to a bunch of novelists talk about their process. And the thing, the big takeaway for me was like, oh, there is no process. It's different for everybody. Right. It's whatever works, whatever gets you to do a bunch of pages in the day. That's the right mm-hmm. thing. And so I started tackled it the way I tackle any story. I sort of break it down into four chunks, but I don't worry about the second half too much. I really, I remember actually Quentin Tarantino, I heard him talking about script writing one time mm-hmm. and he said, you know, he, he doesn't just fall into it and just write willy nilly, whatever comes to mind. He does start plotting it out. He structures it, but only he never structures beyond the first half Okay, because, and it really hit this when he said it really hit me. It's how I felt and how everything that I, that I worked on seem to fall the same way he said whatever you come up with in the second half is going to be replaced by all the better ideas you have right that that you come up with through the course of writing the first half because there's no substitute for being in there writing it you can only sort of be so engaged when you're trying to structure an outline Mm -hmm. and you know conjure up plot points from thin air and you can kind of do it but odds are they're probably not going to be the best ones right so he said what he learned over time was he never plots anything past the midpoint that's the maximum that he'll go okay um because he knows he's going to come up with way better stuff for writing the first part and it really that really stuck with me and and that's kind of how i do it now i i write to the midpoint sort of so that's why i did with this I, i you know it's kind of a methodical process because I'm, I'm sort of lazy in a lot of ways and I can procrastinate and I can, I cannot do anything really well. Um, <laughs> like I don't, I honestly got, I don't, I don't remember ever being bored in my life. Right. I can, <laughs> aside from somebody else, like interfering in your brain waves. If you're, if you're listening to somebody yammer on a long bus ride, mm-hmm about their their tomatoes in the garden or whatever right now at the 5 10 15 20 minute mark of that i can but left to my own devices holy god i'll never be bored i'm on the moon fighting dragons you know yeah i'm, I'm trying out new superpowers i've mm-hmm. never so getting into it sitting down and just sort of you know, I, I, I need some sort of structure. So I'm not all over the map. Right. And what I do is I just sort of, you know, the, the story is broken into a beginning, middle and an end. And I break each of those acts into a beginning, middle and an end. Mm-hmm. So I end up with, you know, sort of 12 segments of a story. 
great. And I really focus on the first six. And then I, you know, bullet point form. Mm -hmm. And I know where I want to write to. And then it's sort of mathematical. I say, I sort of pick, like, what's, what, what, you know, this project that I'm writing, what's the size that it would be expected to be, right? Mm -hmm. If you're writing a half hour TV show, maybe 30 pages. If you're writing an hour long TV show, maybe 50 pages. If you're writing a movie, maybe 100 pages, mm -hmm. right? And with this, I knew like the genre that this, I knew that this was going to be sort of a dark psychological thriller. And those are like, okay, somewhere between 80 and 100,000. That's sort of at the outside. That's for, you know, pretty established writers, but between 80 and 90,000 words, let's say. So I just sort of targeted that. Mm -hmm. I said, what, what's the middle of that? 85,000? Right. How, how, you know, let's, what's, what's 85,000 divided by 12? <laughs> and it was like each of these segments should be about whatever that was, 7,200 or 6,800 words. Mm -hmm. And that would be my week. And so I did the, I, I wrote the first draft of the novel in 12, 12 weeks. I wrote each one of those segments over the course of a week mm -hmm. and had my first draft at 12 weeks. Jeez. It wasn't any good. Right. I, mean, <laughs> I never worry about that, right? The first, I'm a big believer in the notion that the first draft is you telling yourself the story. Right. Nobody else is going to see it. Uh -huh. This is you. And like there were, there were chunks in the story that I knew I was going to have to go back and fix. I usually actually, as I'm writing, I usually write in red. Like he can't be in the scene because he's over there. He's at that other place. You know? <laughs> but I just, I keep going forward. I keep going forward. I don't stop and fix very much. I really try to get to the end. And then it's like, okay, now you have your story. Mm -hmm. It's not very good. Right. It's saggy in places. It's illogical in places. And through the course of writing, and I make little notes on the side, I make a little yellow legal pad, and I have a bunch of ideas that I think are going to make this better. And then you got, go into the second draft, and mm -hmm. you do the same thing, and then the third. And eventually, you knock as many knobs off it as you can, yep. and you got something fairly smooth. So it's just putting in the time, right? That's, what, right. that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was um, Stephen King that says he writes, I think it's 10 Never pages. Never heard of him. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, you should look him up. You should look him up. He's got a couple of a couple or three novels out there are pretty good. Hot new hot new kid. Hot new kid. You know what? I think he's gonna go far. I think uh I think a couple of studios are looking at one of his books, if I'm not mistaken. I think he I think I can't remember what his number of pages were a day. Let's say it was ten a day. Like that was that was how he just went. And sometimes he goes, Sometimes uh, I was done in forty minutes. And that was my day. And I got to enjoy everything else. And uh, other times, uh, my wife was going to bed at 11 o'clock and I was still up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the same. Like I, I just did a pay. I just did. Uh, I tried to do uh, a thousand words a day was my minimum. Mm -hmm. Anything short of that would be a failure. Right. And I would usually do more than a thousand words a day. Mm -hmm. And you know, by the end of the week, I got to be at that 7,000 mark. I know right. that I've got to get that to the point where. A meets X at the end of this segment. Right. That's my Friday. That, I got to get to that by the weekend. Mm -hmm. It was just a, I wrote five days a week, sometimes six if I really needed to. But most of the time it was just, I wrote Monday to Friday, mm -hmm. recharge over the weekend, sit and think about the story yep. and tackle it again Monday. One of the things I did take from Stephen King, I heard him say or read in an interview, one or the other, he said, sometimes he will leave for the day mm -hmm. mid sentence. Oh, wow. Purposely. Okay. Because so, he said it can be so daunting sometimes to start 
the next day, you get a blank page. What am I going to write today? Right. And he said, if he, if you sit down and there's a sentence that is unfinished, well, it's easy enough to go, I know what I need to do. I need to finish this sentence. Right. And just that the act of doing that gets you, gets you into the story. It's just sort of finding, like you said, find those things that work for you. Like he, he basically doesn't plot at all. He almost plots, you know, zero amount. He just likes to discover the story as he's writing it, you know? And then he does the same thing, goes back and fixes all the bits that don't work, but he discovers the story by writing it. And I, I, I do a lot of that. I mean, I, I skeleton myself a bit of, you know, Mm -hmm. I know where I want to write to. And then you discover stuff as you're writing characters, say stuff. And I, I love those moments where like, so you have a character say some piece of dialogue that just sort of, you know, it's sort of a nothing piece of dialogue. Right. But, and then you read it and you go, well, if, if he thinks this about that, mm-hmm. he would probably not be, he would probably be upset if somebody did this. Mm-hmm. And and you wouldn't have thought about that unless you were in the middle of kicking it around, right? I, I overwrite quite a bit. And, oh, yeah. Um, and I, I let the characters talk a lot. I write a lot more dialogue than what's going to end up being in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just find out about your characters so much, you know? That sound tells us that it's time for the joke part of the show. Oh, I thought it was time for me to get fed. No, 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 no. Completely different song. Completely different song. The, uh, so if, if you, the listener, would like to have your joke told uh, over the air you can do so you can send it to jokes at oshopod.com you know the rules no isms no obias it can be dirty or clean it doesn't matter so uh brent now we get to hear your joke so give us your joke if you would well first the, the first joke that i always go to if anybody ever says you know tell me a joke mm-hmm. it's a quick one yep and then i'll tell i'll tell a bit of a longer okay one. no that's good but I the like- one i like to do all the time is quick so, uh uh Guy walks into a psychiatrist's office completely naked, mm-hmm. except he's covered in saran wrap. Right. Psychiatrist says, I can clearly see your nuts. Beautiful. <laughs> I like that Love joke because it. it ends before you think it's going. Yes, to exactly. Yeah. The other thing I like to do, if you've ever been in this situation, I'm sure you've been in this situation. You're at a social function mm-hmm. and somebody finds out you're a comedian and they go, if they, especially if they do it rather smugly, yes. oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. There we are. So what I do mm-hmm. is I begin telling them a joke, which, unbeknownst to them, I'm making up entirely as I go. And not only that, it's this joke is going to go nowhere. <laughs> and I'm going to backtrack a lot in the joke. And the whole point is to see how much of their life I can suck out of them before they go, <laughs> well, what the hell are you going to do? So there's two rabbits at the top of a hill, that kind of thing. Just, mm-hmm. And they, 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 they're skateboarding. Well, they're good. Well, they, I find a skateboard. One of them wants to go down the hill, and the other one's too scared to. Right. And uh, so anyway, the first one says, okay, I'll go down the hill. Oh, hang on, hang on. One of, the, one of them has glasses. The scared rabbit wears glasses. Right. That's important. Yeah. So they're, they're looking down at the foot. There's traffic going by. down at the, And just the hellacious oh, detail beautiful. you put in. And just, you can see the mm-hmm. life draining from it. <laughs> yep. That's a sweet, sweet spot. Um, my wife. But all right, I'll. No, my, my wife will, the same thing will happen at, at, at a party or some dinner function or whatever it is. And it's, it's exactly that. Oh, you're a comedian? Tell me a joke. And she knows I have a couple of go-to kind of like aristocrat style, make your own path to it. Like you can, you can make 
the the quick journey across the street, go five blocks out of the way to do it, yeah. and that's what I'll do. And my wife will know is, is like, well, there's a guy who went to war, and my sh- my <laughs> wife will just go, I'm out, and she will leave, and then come back twenty <laughs> minutes later it. and go, still not done, huh? Okay, yeah. There's, I wish I could remember the name of the person. She has an Instagram or TikTok or something, and she tells a joke to her Chihuahua. Have you seen? Okay, this? no, person? but I'm in, and she's great at that. It's that sort of. You know, there's all this extraneous sidebarring mm-hmm. that really makes it it's so fun. And it's just interspersed with cuts of her chihuahua looking yep. at her. Beautiful. <laughs> anyway, they're endlessly entertaining. But this is anytime somebody wants a street joke. I always mm-hmm. think of this one. I, this is probably, I don't have a great head for street jokes. Mm-hmm. So this one, if one sticks with me, it means I like it. So a guy's in a bar. He's working middle of the day. There's nobody else in the bar. He's just there behind the bar cleaning up, mm-hmm. wiping the counter and the glasses. He looks up, he hears, hears the door open, and a bear is standing there. Mm-hmm. And they go, ah! And the bear is like, ah, look, I know, don't, be, don't be frightened. The bear says, I know that I'm probably the last thing you expected to see today in the middle of your bar was a bear. And the guy says, and you can talk. I know, it's, it's even weirder. It's hard to wrap your head around. I'm a bear, I'm in your bar, and I can talk. But the, don't call a ranger or anything. I just came in here. If you can help me out, I, I, I just, I'm looking for a job. I need to make some money. And the bartender's like, why Why the hell do you need money? And he's like, it's, uh, you know, life's hard out there for a bear. You know, there's no, there's been all these forest fires. All Most of the vegetation that I normally eat is gone. There's no hardly any berries. Hard to live off berries anyway. 400 pounds. How many, you know, how many berries you got to eat? <laughs> Never mind. Because I'm also omnivorous. I'm not just a vegetarian. I'll eat a critter, you know, but they all ran away because of forest fires. There's hardly any, and I can't just kill a human and eat a human because the whole that'll, hell, that'll bring down tarnation and, you know, they'll hunt me down. A crazed man eating bear, right? That's a terrible handle to have. You don't want that. So, but I'm starving here. I said it was 400 pounds. I used to be 600 pounds. Uh, so I can't eat berries. I can't. A hunt so i need to get some money to work so i'm just so i can get money to buy food so i'm just hoping that maybe you have anything like any you know work at all that i could pick up and the bartender says well that's a sad story i wish i had something for you, but i i don't have anything but i'll tell you this i noticed when i was coming into work but two blocks up the road there there's a circus setting up you know, and they're going to be doing a big circus this weekend. I bet if you go up there, you could get a job with the circus. And the bear says, why would a circus need a bartender? <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> he came in to be a bartender. You yes. see what makes that joke funny? <laughs> yes. Is, uh, it turns out. Yes. <laughs> That's the best part of any joke. I know. The long explanation. Yes. Of why it's actually humorous. It's because he was wearing a hat. He was and wearing you can a imagine hat. You know. A bear. Like, what part of the incongruity of this are you missing? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it turns out he was uh, he was yes. specifically looking for a bartender job. Anyway, Beautiful. I got to go, everybody. Yes. Enjoy the rest of your night. <laughs> but yeah, that's a quality joke. I yes. like that one. That's awesome. Very good. Uh, Brent, thank you so much. 
My pleasure. Thanks was, for uh, having me. Lo- lovely to chat. It's fantastic. Um, so I have to I have to tell you this because a buddy of mine um, said I wouldn't because um, we were talking about TV shows that we like, and inevitably Corner Gas comes up. Well, right? how could it not? How could it not? And my buddy's like, oh, yeah, I love Corner Gas. It was great. Um, and then he was like, but there's one episode. And I went, what? And he goes. I bet I, I, bet I even know where this okay, is going. Go ahead. Do, which, okay, so which one do you think? Which one do you think? I can't remember the exact episode, but there's one where we're clearly dubbing in uh a, a different line of dialogue. Okay. Is that what he's talking about? No. People no, no, always no. come up and you go, what, what was that about? No. It That's was, it? Okay. It was the the biggest hoe. Oh, yes. Okay. The, the biggest, biggest hoe. The world's biggest hoe. <laughs> and he went, yes. He goes, and it's the world's biggest hoe. It's like, yes. He went, that's lazy writing. <laughs> and, I, and I went, do you want me to tell him that? He goes, yes. If you're ever talking to Brent Butt, he goes, you know I know him. He goes, if you're talking to him, you say lazy writing. I'm like, and I, by the way, well, I my forehead hit the dashboard. It. I was doubled over laughing so hard. <laughs> That's it. I'm I'm he makes a good point. I'm giving all the money back. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called out. I, I so I went I I'm literally sitting here like there's millions of jokes in that show. <laughs> millions. And you're taking one. Okay. So so yeah. I just you know, I, sometimes you get in a roll yep. in the old writing room and mm-hmm. everybody's Dog piling on to yep. one joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Believe me, believe me, I reined it in. Yeah. Um, I just for the record, my friend's wrong. It's a hilarious joke. It's <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I understand his point. I don't think it's the <laughs> most clever thing. You know, the other one, but it's often the ones that you're sort of not so proud of. People love so much. Yes. The one that people always come to me all the time, and they're like, "Get the f off my lawn." Right. Right. There was an episode where the F from Cafe had blown yeah, off in beautiful. a windstorm, yes, and they're trying yes, to find yes. the F. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did so many of these, probably one tenth of the the F mm-hmm. jokes right. that were proposed <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> made it to you know. And the whole while, even while I was shooting, and I was like, "Well, we let too many of those F jokes get in there. That's uh, it's pretty easy pickings." Mm-hmm. But man, uh, the people love it. Yeah. I love it to this day. That's one of the ones that people come out to me the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to get the F off my lawn. Yep. So uh, you never know. There's no accounting for what people are going to love, right? The the episode I adored, and this this is by far and away my favorite one. I may have told you before, but the Saskatchewan Rough Rider tickets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love that one. Love yeah, that, that one. Was, that was the end of season one. That's before mm-hmm. we knew there was going to be a season two. Right. We thought it was just the end of... Uh, the episode was called I Love Lacey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. I will not keep you. I will not keep you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Always, always nice to chat to you. Yeah. Likewise. See you guys. And uh, by the way, I, I cannot wait to tear into the book. Oh, good. I hope you enjoy it.
Thanks for listening to Okay, So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. Uh, thank you to Brett Butt for coming on and telling his jokes. Uh, they were both hilarious. Love them both. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Brent Butt, and you can subscribe to his Substack as well. Make sure you do that. There will be a link in the show notes. And also pick up his book, Huge, also in the show notes. Um, I honestly can't wait to pick it up. It sounds so great, and it hits me right in the numbers. You can find 23 seasons of our previous podcast, Comedy of the Pub, that he and other guests have appeared on. You can find them at uh, ComedyAboveThePub.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends, like, subscribe, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We ask that you do the same thing that we did in the old days. Leave a five-star review, but talk shit about us in the commentary. Five stars. Talk shit about us in the commentary. Our show is produced by Darcy Finder. Our music is by Larry Bryant. The artwork is done by Wojtek Arkaszewski. And if you have a joke you'd like us to tell on air, send it to us. It can be dirty or clean. No isms, no obias. You send the joke to jokes at oshopod.com. That's jokes at oshopod.com, which stands for OK, so here's one pod. You can send your questions and comments about the show to show at oshopod.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at oshopod. And you can follow me personally on the same platforms at Hey It's TVA. Except for Instagram, you need an underscore at the end. Don't ask. Uh, for my upcoming live performances, like write them up at Comedy Bar in Toronto, Saturday, November the 25th at 7 p.m. I have that show and others and all the details for uh, shows in person and online at heyitstva.com slash calendar. You can join the Patreon for $3 a month. You get the full raw unedited video feed. In fact, in this one, when once it gets posted, you'll be able to hear us talk about his show a little bit and some other book recommendations that we throw in. It's pretty cool. Uh, you can join us for $3 a month to get that and bonus jokes at patreon.com slash oshopod. I am Todd Van Allen. On behalf of Brent, the no longer erstwhile Darcy, and myself, thanks for listening to OK So Here's One. Jimmy, Bobby, and Monty, you are always the podcast. <laughs>